This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. I think the amount of high scoring has been a surprise to me because I thought that the teams were closer than what they are, but the powerhouses seem to still be the powerhouses. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We've got one foot very much in the Galway camp today with plenty of reaction from the City of the Tribes. We'll be in the Kingdom tomorrow. So we have sent along the keeper of the Yera, the lead man inside the Kerry Mafia, particularly the Dublin division of the Kerry Mafia, Owen Sheehan, who is down by the seaside on this Thursday morning. Owen, how are you getting on? Very well, Will. A very good morning to you. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to this final because it's been a while since these two teams have even met in championship. We have to go back to the Super 8s back in 2018. We're going to have Kevin Walsh with us who was in charge of Galway for that three-point win back then a little bit later in the show to break down uh, some of the main matchups. But there's a real kind of fresh feel about this. We can you know, talk about the league a couple of years ago where David Clifford ran riot in Tralee, but they haven't met each other in a couple of years. It's almost a bit like Kilkenny and Limerick for the hurling final where they hadn't met in championship since 2019. So for me, there's a real freshness about this. First time since 2014 that we've had not one of the finalists from last year in it. So I don't know. I mean, obviously you're going to be nervous from a Kerry perspective, but for me, there's a real newness about this final this coming Sunday. And I think that probably speaks to why a lot of people want to see Galway win this weekend as well. Just a sense of a, a new champion. And while Kerry may not have got the job done in eight years, it is still a very much a sense that if they won, it would kind of feel normal. I know it does; it won't feel normal to a lot of Kerry people at all if, if they win, but it does feel Kerry, Tyrone, Dublin, Mayo, even though only two of those counties have won All-Irelands over the eight years, have, have sort of sewn the whole thing up. Galway, uh, as they did in 1998, have not come from nowhere, but they've sort of arrived with a perfect deal of momentum and could strike while they are in the sock, just like they did in, in 98. Like, I mean, being around the city and around the county yesterday, there are very, very unavoidable parallels with, with that team, whether it's Park Joyce himself or, or a couple of other factors. They definitely feel that there is a big chance that they do arrive in the scene and they do just show up and win it. And we will be sitting here in a week's time watching the celebrations in, in Air Square or Toome. And we'll also have a second edition of A Year Till Sunday coming out. So this is what people are looking out for over the, the next couple of weeks, These this sort of throwback to, to 1998. Speaking about arrivals, when you went west to the Shannon, car mm. trouble started to hit, and it was a, a kindly OTB fan who came to your rescue in your hour of need. I, I'm not sure it was an OTB fan, just a, a genuine sound lad, to be honest. As soon as I hit the Galway sign, like the, the Welcome to Galway sign, my car started flashing. You know, when you get all those flashing lights in the dashboard, the you ones you ignore, yeah, yeah, the ones that you ignore. It's like hieroglyphics to me. I don't know anything about cars, and uh, it was just like, okay, I've got to get all the way out to Connemara and back to the city and up to Tume and back to the city. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, to sort anything out here, but I was in uh, to Taft's pub yesterday with uh, Park and, and Martin Lally, and I was uh, explaining my predicament to them, and they said, go down to the docks to VP Motors and they will sort you out. We just bought a car from there recently and I went down to VP Motors and uh, Fergal inside there, Fergal O'Boyle, an absolute gentleman. Uh, he sorted me out straight away, fixed whatever needed to be fixed. He told me what was wrong with the car, but that went straight over my head because I don't know anything about cars. And uh, he managed to save the rest of the Galway trip, but most importantly, the Kerry trip today. I thought I was going to be stuck in, in Galway, Will, and uh, I thought Galway would have me now, which uh, I guess might have might have been better for the Kerry people, to be honest, before we build this hype over the next two days. Oh, can you imagine the accusations of Yera if you hadn't actually made it down to the kingdom for tomorrow? A two-day Galway special, just hyping up all the pressure on Galway. We're not going to hear from Kerry whatsoever ahead of Sunday. It's going to be Kerry doing their talking on the pitch on. 
Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you're, 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 you seem to be speaking a, a pretty good message there, Will. I, I do think Galway are, are kind of um, not, I don't think Galway people like to yera at all. I think they're actually just kind of more straight up than any other GEA fan I've met. They're kind of like, we don't want to talk about this thing until it's done. We, I, we don't want to like envisage the fact that there could be celebrations until it's done. We're not going to be planning any homecoming or celebrations until this thing is done. And they're straight up about it, you know, at least. Kerry people and Kilkenny people, as I discovered last week, kind of like to downplay the chances. Galway are confident. Galway know that they have a very, very good chance of winning, but they also realise the fact that they can't see the future. They can't predict for sure what's going to happen, and they just don't know if they're going to be happy next week or not. There is also, and you'll see it across the, the, the course of this morning, there's also a lot of kind of like sly references to Mayo and all of that. You know, they're, they're neighbouring county who do like to think about what the, the celebrations might look like. I mean, if you are a Mayo person, how else are you going to get by on a, on a year-to-year basis unless you do envisage the, the happier days coming down the line? But Galway are very much saying we are not falling into that trap. We will do our celebrating when that final ball is kicked and when Galway have more points scored than Kerry on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I did wonder about that watching Colin Boyle last night in OTB and watching Lee Keegan yesterday. And both true kind of gritted teeth said, no, we'd be happy for our neighbours if they were to bring the Sam Maguire back across the Shannon. And both were kind of tipping up the fact that Galway could run this one very close this coming weekend. But there has to be party that wonders... Mayo have been to so many finals, particularly over the last decade. We talked earlier in the year about you know Galway's record at Crow Park was poor since 2001. And here they are, where they've been underdog in quite a few of the games that they've played so far this year, maybe with the exception of the Connacht final. And now they are 70 minutes away from potentially bridging that two-decade gap. Yeah, like I'd almost be a little bit more worried if they were favourites going into this game. The underdog status has suited them perfectly. Like, I I mean, I tipped Derry to beat them in the semi-finals. Derry were favourites for that game. In hindsight, that looked ludicrous, given the gulf between the teams that we saw exposed in that second half. A similar thing could go with even the Connacht final. And I know you said that they were probably favourites for that, but it was close. Mm. And it seems ludicrous as well that they were beaten in that league final in Crow Park earlier this year. So they have embraced this underdog tag perfectly in every single game. And not in the sort of siege mentality sense, but I, I don't know. They, is it the style of play thing? Is it the way they set up? But I, the Galway as underdogs is a, is a fairly dangerous prospect, and it has proven to be so over the course of the entire year. And just to go back to that 98 point, I think Porrick Joyce probably knows better than anybody else that you don't need to lose one to win one. You can show up and win on your first occasion. Galway know that you can show up and win on your first occasion. And I think that that'll be the message to the players this week. Not the sort of, you know, ah, oh, your underdogs, do your best. It is... I mean, we may not be back here again. We have to win now. And if we win now, chances are it'll increase the probability we will be back again next time. So there's a winning culture in this county, Will. They're the third the third on the roll of honour. And I think sometimes people forget that. Yeah. And the last Connacht team to be carrying an All-Ireland final. Albeit, you have to go back to 1965 for that, which just goes to show the record that uh, Connacht teams, and Mayo will be the first one to tell you about their record against Kerry in All-Ireland finals in recent times. And we're going to hear a bit from uh, some of the reaction that you've been getting from around about the city. But you went to the heartland of Galway football as well, if you went to Toome and taken in a bit of Connemara as well. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So uh, I went up to Tume to, to meet a couple of people yesterday. We met a, a great Galway super fan, a piece we'll bring you a little bit later on. But of course, Tume is uh, one of the homes of the Saw Doctors as well. So uh, I went up there yesterday and uh, I met Leo Moran, who is uh, obviously one of the, the, the key founders of, uh, of the Saw Doctors. Uh, what I don't know is if people are aware of the Saw Doctors side project or the Saw Doctors Breakaway Act, which is uh, Leo and uh, Porrick Stevens, uh, the two-man ma- bands, the folk footballers, that released an album in 2001 
based on football. It was a football album and it's on Spotify. If people want to check it out, you can look up the folk footballers and they're playing gigs at the moment. They might be releasing a little bit of new material over the next few weeks. But this isn't something that I was overly aware of. I'm sure everybody in Galway was, but it's not something that I was overly aware of. Like this was uh, that album that they released was uh, one of the the first times we heard the, the, the maroon and white of uh, Galway, obviously, uh, Saw Doctors had uh, just a, a mirror image for that song for, for their neighbours above in Mayo. And then they had a, a host of other songs about, you know, heartbreak and sport and uh, going up to the 1959 All-Ireland. So I, I went out to Toome to, to meet the folk footballers. So uh, on the left-hand side, we have Leo Moran. And uh, on the right-hand side, uh, we have Park Stevens, who is uh, an, another uh, former member of the Saw Doctors. So have a look and have a listen to, to their tunes. All right, we'll have a look at the uh, Saw Doctors just in a moment. Just to tell you what has come out, because OTB is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, we're going to have plenty of Owen's content from Galway over the next hour, hour and a half or so. Um, as we heard there, we're going to hear from the Saw Doctors and get a live performance from the Saw Doctors as well in a moment. Uh, then we will be uh, hearing from Taft's Bar, some of these places that Owen has been visiting on his trip across the Shannon. Uh, Kevin Walsh is going to join us in the next hour, the former Galway boss who was in charge in the Super 8s, uh, now coming up four years ago at this stage where they won 113 to 110 against the Kingdom. He's going to be looking at some of the main matchups uh, from the game at the weekend and trying to stop David Clifford, who scored three goals and five points uh, the last time that Kerry played against Galway is going to be particularly intriguing. And then Ollie Turner from Galway Bay FM is going to be with us to give us a perspective from Galway ahead of the big game on Sunday. And then some Brian O'Driscoll goodness breaking down the third test and Ireland's historic series victory against the All Blacks from last weekend, from last night's show with Joe. Right, as Owen mentioned, here's some of the Saw Doctors from his uh, visits around Galway yesterday. It's the Wednesday before the All Ireland, and we're in tune in County Galway with the folk footballers. We have a load of songs about Galway football. For instance, Galway, come on, come on. Galway, come on, come on. Galway, come on, come on. Coming from the city, we'll be coming from Tune. Coming on the Sunday afternoon. Heading out the Dublin Road. Heading off to Ballinasloe. There's an article in an uh, old magazine I found in the house. It had a great picture of Dermot Early catching a high ball over Willie Joyce on the cover. And it was an old Connacht. Uh, Ma- um, annual magazine and there was a misprint they wanted to talk about football folk but it, they got the they got the uh, printing. the printing mixed up so it's it, instead of saying football folk it was folk football so we thought that's a good one right so that's what the name came from yeah. <laughs> come on come on go away come on come on go away my name is Paul Stevens and my partner, Leo Morland, wrote a song that has taken Galway by storm. <laughs> it's called The Maroon and White Forever. It's a very small storm though. What key is it? G. Dreamt I'd wear the jersey 
All Ireland final day I'd stand out there in Crow Park The mighty part to play You'd run out of the tunnel To a great big Galway road We'd have our picture taken And head down to the goal Line up with the captain March behind the band And when they play the anthem We'd face the flag above the stand Cause me heart is in maroon and white I'll stick with what I know Maroon and white forever No matter where I go I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, when you kind of like chart the, the, the wider Soul Doctors universe and you've got the maroon and white and green and red. Was it, uh, was it an answer song to, to the green and red? It wasn't really. The green and red just illustrates really how our rivalry with Mayo is a, is a wonderfully friendly rivalry 95% of the time. <laughs> and there's huge connections with Mayo here too. But the schools here had borders from Mayo for decades and loads of people came from Mayo and came back to work here and got married here and all that so there's loads of connections. Moon and white forever in hailstones, rain or snow Yes, maroon and white forever It's what I always say Maroon and white a Galway Forever and a day the maroon and white of Galway forever and a day. Have you another one, Park? We were watching Kelly uh, last week, and the last kick of the game was uh, a big long flee. And the goalie came up, he wanted to take it, but by Jimmy, he didn't get it. Leave me alone. <laughs> So the lad who takes that flea in the last kick of the game, this is his song. As brave, brave and as bold as our fathers before, there's one chance to win, another to go. It's a chance in a million, I'll give it a try. Kick him into the wind. Story, history of old, how that bad blood got started the day that got stole. Still don't like losing. Do you remember the one about um, Sean Pulston on Flagstaff? Have a go at it. I never saw them played, but I heard about their feats. I wanna get the ball and know where the other one would be And we share in all the glory of their legendary wins Sean Purcell and Frank Stockwell, the terrible twins They both grew up together up above in Bishop Street T'was football for the breakfast, the dinner and the tea Sure, kicking on the street is where so many dreams begin. 
Jean Purcell and Frank Stockwell, the terrible twins. September 1959, Gaul were playing Kennedy in the fight. And I was put in the back of the mall, smile. My father and John Higgins were in the front, and my mother made them alone a white flag. We hung it out the window, and by the time we were 20 miles up the road, that the weave, the vertical weave of the flag had, had flown away from all it was. It, it hadn't been, there was no time to hem the flag. Heading into the sunrise, coming from the west. The flag we flew fluttered, we're bringing the best. That day in September, sun shone through the mist. We was going to the All Island, silver money in my fist. We used to listen in the kitchen. To me, hollow hell, when the wonder of the wildest was holy as prayer. Heroes and legends on top of my list. Now I'm going to the All Island, silver money in my fist. I love that going about and remember the medals, remember the suits, mm. and all the, all the glamour and the crack that goes around and All-Ireland win, because when Galway won the All-Ireland in 98, it had no precedent in, in our lifetime, in my lifetime anyway. So we didn't know actually what happened. Remember the medals, remember the suits. This is the time to face the truth. We want another one. We want to win another one. Dig it, dig it till you do it in your sleep. Dig in, dig deep. Dig it, dig it, dig it till you do it in your sleep. We want another one. We want to win another one. I think it's half time now, lad. <laughs> the folk footballers there here on OTBAM from Galway ahead of the final this coming Sunday. Owen, you've been blessed musically over your trips, uh, you know, given that you were talking with the Cranberries last week in Limerick and you know Galway have got the Saw Doctors to give them you know their most important songs when it comes to celebration around the GAA tell me this why are Kerry still using the Rose of Tralee one of the most traditional songs will play out if Kerry land number 38 at the weekend yeah it's a, <laughs> it's a cool question Will I think in, in, in 2014 I, did, I it maybe played did it play I think it played maybe oh, it played, straight after Crow Park always plays the Rose of Tralee 
Yeah, and then but then like the next song afterwards was like the current script song at the time or something. Like there is like a dearth of. It was probably Hall of Fame songs wasn't that it? are well known. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's probably still used. Is it? That's like the most uh, kind of like mainstream GEA song that's ever been written. Like it just goes to like highlights packages of mid twenty tens football. Uh, like so, I mean, yeah, you're kind of a little bit jealous when uh, Limerick have the Cranberries and. Uh, Galway have the Saw Doctors and carry yourself stuck with Rosa Tralee but uh, you know what it is what it is there are lyrics in it that match the county so I, you can't really complain uh, there has to be better out there like I'm I, I, uh, I, forgive me for not having a couple of alternatives to hand here because there definitely are uh, a few that, that could be used but uh, I know it's it has been a topic of conversation within Kerry supporters it's like could we do just maybe a little bit better Well the production team are saying why not Christy Hennessy if you want to update a little bit here on Colin's a big fan of uh, Christy Hennessy, actually, and uh, I, I would defer to his greater knowledge uh, on, on his work. And again, uh, you'll just have to forgive me for maybe kind of a, a lack of, of, of bringing information to the table. There's but a cultural black spot for you, right? Uh, not, yes, yes, so, yeah, no, yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me do let me do my homework and come up with a few options. I I should say I, I maybe need to speak to people maybe a little bit older than me just to kind of get a, a real sense of what the county wants. It's a good question, Will. It's a good. We'll put that to the people of Kerry maybe today. What should? Um, or maybe people are really happy with the Rosetree. Is it just me? Or maybe I'm the only person who's like that's not actually a, a fantastic um, song to be blaring out of the speakers in Croke Park if you get over the line in an All Ireland final. I think it's a little bit twee. I think it's a little bit old fashioned. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, there's definitely. A, but then again, look, Kerry, you're all about tradition. They're all about what they've achieved over the last <laughs> 130 odd years, and therefore maybe they like to use the traditional song. Um, what is the uh, the feeling in Galway? By the way, we're going to get a look back at some of Galway's greatest now in a moment. I'm sure Porrick Joyce. Uh, uh, their current manager is going to be among them. But given that you've gone to three pretty disparate locations in Connemara, within the city and going to Toome, what is the feeling in Galway ahead of this weekend? They're very confident. Uh, right. Very confident that like they all accept that if Galway are to win, it will be an upset. They are not favourites. But the common theme is that the bookmakers have got it wrong with the magnitude of, of the of the odds that are against Galway. And like to be fair, I did kind of pick up on this last week that Kerry are shorter odds to win this football All-Ireland than Limerick were to win the Hurling All-Ireland, which is bonkers when you think about the fact that Kerry haven't got over the line yet in football. And I think Galway have kind of picked up on that a little bit. They've maybe looked at the reaction to, to the Kerry-Dublin win and said, listen, that looks like an All-Ireland final celebration to me. We're not having that. Now, I will say, I don't think anybody in Kerry was celebrating winning an All-Ireland two weeks ago. They were celebrating beating Dublin and winning it in absolutely unbelievable fashion. So I don't think anybody's been getting it carried away on that sense. But I can see why Galway people might want to, to use that to, to create the siege mentality. And I think that they just, they all, to, to a man, a woman, they all believe that they are going to do it this weekend. They all think they're going to do it narrowly. Nobody's getting overconfident or anything like that. But everybody really does believe that an upset is going to, is on the cards and is going to happen this Sunday. Yeah, I don't really have that belief that people would think that given the drama and Sean O'Shea's free, that Kerry would see that as practically being an All-Ireland win of itself. Because look look at Galway, the round before in the quarterfinals coming through on penalties against Armagh with one of the really great championship matches. And I wonder if that's partly why a few of the neutrals, aside from the fact that, you know, uh, Kerry are the empire with all of their success coming into this final, but also the fact that you know Galway have given us some very entertaining games throughout the championship, notwithstanding the semi-final, which wasn't necessarily their fault with the way it was played, uh, but particularly the entertainment that people took from that epic game, probably the best game of the championship this year themselves in Armagh. Yeah, that's very true. And also, as well, you have to remember the scenes in the second half of Galway-Derry when 
like Comer bangs in a couple of goals to celebration after the second goal. Like that's what sport is all about. Like if we didn't celebrate winning semi-finals, there wouldn't be a lot for anybody to be happy about. I think we should probably be as happy as we possibly can be with every sort of positive thing that our sports teams give us. And I think Galway and Kerry really enjoyed that along the way in different ways, mind you. Like, I mean, Kerry is, it was very much getting over the line against Dublin. Galway's story this summer has been proving people wrong and getting over the line in, in those games and a lot of people including us would have uh, tipped them not to get over the line in so they're coming from different places but they've all had like brilliant points in the journey so far B- both journeys feel like that they are both destined in All-Ireland glory if that makes any sense like it feels that like that Shawnee O'Shea kick can only result in an All-Ireland win and it feels like Galway winning on penalties can only result in Galway winning the All-Ireland but both of those things just can't possibly be true yeah, they're both beautifully set up for the Sunday game montage at around about half past nine on Sunday, depending on the result. I can see the tide coming in behind you at the moment, Owen. The tide waits for no man. You have to get to the kingdom a little <laughs> bit later on. So you've been getting some context about Galway and Galway's football history. Yeah, so th- this is a really interesting chat I did with uh, a guy called Leo Courtney. He's based not too far away from Tume uh, himself. He's uh, based in a, in a townland uh, called Caltra, not the Caltra of, uh, of Michael Meehan, a different Caltra. And he is an encyclopedia of Galway knowledge. I actually sat down with him for the best part of an hour. Uh, I've distilled it down to the the key 15 minutes here. And the majority of this, the second half of this chat is uh, about that Galway team of the great 1960s and also a little bit back to the 1950s and the arrival of Sean Purcell, who is widely regarded as one of the greatest Galway footballers of all time and one of the greatest footballers of all time. And we just don't know enough about him. So I got chatting to him about that. But at the start, uh, we have a, a good chat about all things current Galway. I was advised by Michael Meehan this week to go meet Leo Courtney. He is a Galway super fan. Um, I hope Michael doesn't uh, mind me uh, mentioning that he told me to go meet you, but you, you know Michael quite well. You'd have spoken to him after plenty again. Oh, yeah, I know Michael very well. Michael's our fourth top scorer in the Galway's history. He has scored 14 goals and 112 points for Galway. Yes, I'm a great friend. I know Michael Meehan very well. And you know his stats very well. Where does he rank in the pantheon of, of great Galway footballers? Well, I have him on my uh, canteen of great Galway footballers. I have him on the local paper there in my top three in the last 25 years. Nice. Um, that's how I rate him. I put Parik Joyce, Michael Donnan and Michael Meehan. And I suppose Jarlett Fallon and Tommy Mannion, Shane Welsh. You could, you see, you could go from one to 20 and you'd still leave someone out. And they said, but Michael, Michael, yes, he was in third place all. And but Shane just pipped him the last day. Shane has gone into third now. Okay. Michael's down to fourth. And Cyril Dunn from the three in a row is in fifth. Right, very good. I am keen to talk about that three in a row team. Uh, when, before we do that, though, was the first time you remember being at a, a big Galway match in Crow Park? My first time at a big Galway match, believe it or not, in Crow Park was 67. That was at the league final in 67 between Galway and Dublin. Galway won at 12 points to Dublin won seven. And now, I don't think we have beaten Dublin in a major knockout game, well, semi-final or final stage, since that game in 67. Uh, it was the end of the, the first recall the Galway three in a row was in 63 we came through in Connacht and we beat Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final it was a cr- low scoring first half four points to one but um, Galway came out in the second half Kerry were leading halfway through the second half seven points to two and then Pat Donnan of all people a midfielder Pat was at the right spot he scored a goal we got right back in it and we won one seven to eight points Dublin beat us in the final now we beat ourselves in the sense that we had 12 wides, Dublin had only four. Dublin scored one nine and we got 10 pints. 
we were disappointed, but it was, it was probably a blessing in this Stars because we were a young team. And in 64, who did we meet in the All-Ireland final? Kerry. It was a cracking game. 15 pints to 10. All of the Galway six forward score that day was settled on getting nine. Uh, a great win. And there was a an old man up this side of the country at the time. And he says, well, to beat Kerry in an All-Ireland, it's worth two All-Irelands. We did it again in 65. Then the three in a row was competed in 1966 when we beat the Royal Meath, won 10 to 7 pints. Matty McDonough got a goal and Matty was the Texaco winner. There was the old Texaco award. Now it's player of the year. It was player of the year that time, which was the Texaco award. Was Matty was the player of the year in 66. Noel Tierney was the player of the year in 64. And Martin Yule was the player of the year in 65. And when we came out of Crow Park in 66, if you were told back then that you wouldn't win another All-Ireland until 98, you'd say there was something somewhere wrong. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Now, Kerry comes their side of the draw, and Limerick, and they beat Cork. Cork, beginning maybe to, but they just don't seem... Uh, a great game with Dublin. That was a fantastic kick, all fairness. It was a huge kick. One minute before the semi-final, one minute I'd want Dublin, another minute I'd want Kerry. But at the end of the day, I was saying to myself, Kerry... They're country people like ourselves, and, and and also it's worth two if you win. It's worth well. We we we'll take we we'll take one if we win. It's worth two if we win. Yeah, we have good forwards and fairness. Shane Welsh and uh, Robbie Finnerty and Comer, of course. Comer is flying this year. He has something like two nine scored from play in the championship. Um, I think he has ten forty four scored in his championship career. But yes, 10.44. But uh, yeah, and a few more. Paddy Kelly. And, but everyone, the only worry I would have now, and I hope I'm wrong, because I want an All-Ireland. I'm, I'm, I'm a man in a hurry. I'd love an All-Ireland. Is, is our bench strong enough? This would be my... Concern. Yeah. Other than that, I... But knowing Parik, and I rang Parik last Sunday week after the Dublin Kerry game because I'm a good friend of him, and I said, Parik, he said he'd have his team ready, and I believe he'll have them ready. So you have a hotline to the Galway manager. Have you, can you give us any secrets before no, this weekend? No secrets whatsoever. I would, I'd be just a good friend of myself and Parik's dad, Paddy, used to come back here to me. We were always great friends. Uh, first got to know the Joyce's, got to know, well, I knew Willie, Willie, all my life, but I knew uh, par, par, the late Parik's dad, Paddy, and it was through colleges. Uh, I had great I love underage football in college. In 1994, and Jarlis won the Hogan Cup, and uh, Parik was captain. And ever since that, we men we had a great minor team that year. We got to the All Ireland final, but there was a team with a letter K waiting for us. And uh, in fact, I think that Kerry team that beat Galway only got um, about two players that went on to play for the county team. We actually got more out of that minor team in 1994, as I think of it now, than any minor team that ever won in All-Ireland in Galway. We got eight, seven or eight players out of it. Can I ask then just about some of the specific players of Galway in the, the 50s and 60s? Sean Purcell was maybe a little bit before your time, but you saw a bit of him. I saw a bit of him, yeah. Sean was the end of his, his, his career when I was uh, going out starting the football. Well, in the 60s, of course, I know them. John Keenan and Cyril Dunn, Matty McDonough, Garrett and Rillins in the middle of the field, Christy Tittle, Liam Salmon. I'd be a good friend of Liam. And you had the Donlins, John and Pat, Noel Tierney, 
the great fullback and Johnny Geraghty, all them in the sixties now were yeah. fine into collard and Indian captain is the late Indian. Is is Sean Purcell considered the greatest Galway footballer of all time? Yes, by many, yeah, the greatest footballer of all time and even by the legendary Michal Amorhurthy in his book rated yeah. Sean Purcell. And when you have a Kerry man with all the great players that rating Sean Purcell, he must have been the greatest. What did people say about him? Well, they said he could play in any position. Okay. I think he played in the Connacht semi-final in Chum in 1954 against Mayo on an awful wet day and he played at full back. And they put five different players on him. They couldn't get past him. Right. Full, but in the team of the it's, century it's, there, it's he's listed at 11. Yeah. yeah, he was always there, but he could play anywhere. As they say, he could play anywhere, Sean Person. Right. Well, did he, and did he play everywhere? He, he did, really. Centre field, centre, maybe full back. Definitely full back. I don't know whether he played centre back. He played full forward, centre forward, midfield. He played colleges with Jarlis in 48, 47. They won the Hogan Cup. He was a midfielder. And Frankie Stockwell and himself had a great understanding. They were known back then as the terrible twins. Stockwell was another midfielder. Stockwell was a full forward. Was a full forward, okay. And Purcell, Purcell um, there was a great story told about the 1957 league final when um, it was level with about five minutes to go with Kerry and there was a fellow called Ned Roach. He was playing fullback for Kerry and he was marking Purcell and doing a pretty good job on him. But in anyhow, Purcell gets the ball and he goes out towards the sideline, toe to hand and Ned went with him and he threw it over his shoulder into the path of Stocky, Frankie, and he stuck it in the net. And that was, that was... That was the game. The game. And there was the legendary story told about um, Pat Donlan in 63. They claimed down in Kerry that um, Pat Donlan was on his knee, hurt a bit, but he got up awful quick and scored the goal. <laughs> and, of course, Matty tells the story, the late Matty McDonough. He tells the story about 196 the National Football League, the home final of 65. There was a trip to America at stake. But coming up with about a minute or two to go, Kerry had just taken the lead. A great Kerry player called Bernie O'Callaghan just put Kerry ahead eight points to seven. But Galway come up the field and Matty gets the the goal ball, whether he touched it on the ground, it's hard to know. But into Seamus Laden, a cracking goal and Galway won. But about 40 years later, Matty was playing golf below in, in some part of Kerry. Um, and this old man was walking along and he said, Matty McDonough from Galway. He said, Matty, you picked the ball off, off you fouled the ball. I didn't, he said, I, I don't understand golf. I'm playing, a, I don't mean that little ball you're playing out there. He said, you fouled the ball in 65. Uh, <laughs> And they never forget. That's no. one thing Kerry never forget. Absolutely not. They're still, I think, talking about the famous 82 final, the Seamus Derby goal. So. Yeah, that'll, that'll still be talked about for a long, long time yet. Yeah. That, that's, all, like, that's, that's really interesting. Like, then when it comes to like, the, the nationwide appreciation of those Galway players, like, obviously there was huge appreciation within this county, but when it comes to, say, like, the team of the century, the team of the millennium, like the national one, who else other than Purcell makes those teams? Well, on the, on, on the uh, centenary year, Inda Conlon and Sean Purcell, Inda at number two and Sean Purcell at centre forward. And at the turn of the century, again, the Millennium team, it was the same two players. Same two, okay. Yeah. 
it's it's interesting then it is mad I didn't realize that he played fullback because like as you say there he's at he's at 11 in your Galway team of the century and obviously I've I've seen very very little of him I always had him down as like a, a midfielder or a center forward but he could have been one of the great all-time fullbacks yeah, had he been played there all the time fullback yeah he played against Mayo and they won the toss and they played they led 2-3 to a pint at half time and there was a storm out a bad July day we normally don't get an odd one but they, he still held Mayo out and they won 2-4 to 1-5 okay. our own club man from Carlos here scored a, a goal and two pints that day Tom McHugh Sean was he must have been a genius really everyone talks about him mm-hmm. and uh, did you meet did you ever get to meet him oh I did of course yeah. oh I got to meet him yeah what was he like? Ah, oh, he was a, he had always a great word. How's it going, Sham? Well, that's the word they use in Tume. Ah, uh, Sean was a, I got to know him very, very, very well. Was he interested in Gaelic games after his playing days? He was, but he was also interested. I remember we were going up one night, to, one night up to a place in Athenride, Jerry Corbett. He has a GEA museum up there, and we brought, we were brought up. Curve in, right? He's above an Athenride. Oh, is. We went up and, um, and Abraham a man over in Corrifin there Paddy Keaton and myself and we brought Frank Stockwell and Sean Purcell but Sean was very interested in looking at not at the old football we look back but looking at dog racing he loved he loved the greyhounds right. such a greyhound won this and there was a story told one time in 59 about a greyhound that uh, night for in all Ireland Sean had a greyhound running in Shelburne Park and he star bright and he won but they reckon Sean brought the Greyhound back down to Chome that night. And the next day was the All-Ireland final. But uh, that's the way it was back then. Okay, so but, he, uh, was, yeah. he travelled up and down from Dublin twice yeah, in the yeah, one weekend. Twice the one weekend, yeah. He was that type of... He was a gentleman. Um, died far too young, I think. But that's... Yeah, I knew Sean. I knew Frankie Stockwell very well. and, and um, the, the dogs was probably one of the reasons that Michal O'Mara took such a, a warming to Shawnee Purcell as well, because he would have been big into the dogs and his nights at Shelburne. Big in Shelburne. And they went to, to to school, to college together. They were both teachers. That's right. They went to college. And uh, Michal's first commentary, I think, in a match was 1949, in a, which was a very big back then, the Railway Cup. Yeah, yeah, huge. And Purcell was obviously an icon Purcell of the Railway was an Cup. Icon of the Railway Cup, the same as Christy Ring was with the car, with the Munster hurlers in the Railway Cup. Do you think enough people know about Sean Purcell in, in the modern era? Because he is this legendary figure, kind of like Ring, where a lot of people we know the name, but none of us have seen enough footage because there there isn't enough footage out there. Do you think that in the modern day he's appreciated enough? Well, I suppose it's a different game. I I'd say an awful lot. Well, I suppose in the modern day wouldn't know of but um, uh, yeah he would be very appreciated certainly in all over Connacht he'd be appreciated certainly in the older generation the younger it would be very hard to tell um, well there was a story told that grey bearded men back then there was something wrote in the paper that grey bearded men would tell the story of the terrible twins Purcell and Stockwell would tell their children's children of the terrible twins, but it's like telling a young lad today now that idolises Shane Welsh or idolises Dave Clifford uh, about uh, the Bomber Liston or about Mike Sheehy or about Cyril Dunn or Sean Purcell. You know, they yeah. it's in the times, I suppose. I know this is a difficult question, but if you had to pick one modern footballer that resembled Purcell the most, who would it be? Kieran Kilkenny. Okay, right. Yeah. I think he has. He's related, I think, to Purcell. Yeah, actually, yeah. 
Kiral Kilkenny, I think he's excellent. As is Bar- was that he's retired now, Bernard Brogan, to me, was a classic as well. Kieran Kilkenny, I would reckon, on, the, on that. Yeah, Kieran Kilkenny and Tommy Carr, right, are, are descendants of the great Sean Purcell. They are, yeah, Tommy Carr. Tommy Carr is married to Sean Purcell's daughter. Yes. And uh, Kieran Kilkenny's father, I think, is first, was first cousin to Sean Purcell. Kilkenny's not bad. Oh, Kilkenny, oh, wish to God we had him on Sunday. <laughs> I would love him. He's super football. And that, that's his relation to that uh, Neve Kilkenny that plays with the Galway Camogie girls. Another team that's filled our heart um, the last couple of years with the Camogie they're playing. And I love that game as well, the winning two All-Irelands out of three. And you can catch that full chat with Leo Courtney across our social channels. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 